Welcome back. E, <laughs> uh, it feels good to be back recording. Uh, back here with episode two. 2.2. 2. Uh, yeah, hand up on that one. We recorded episode two last week, maybe? Week and a half ago, I possibly? Was, I think we got so fired up about finishing the first one that we did the second one right after. Like a day or two after? And my initiating systematizer, which if you didn't listen to the uh, key yet in the glossary in terms of what we're discussing, we really want to make sure that everybody knows, go back and watch that episode. Well, it won't be go back and watch this episode. It will be tune in to a future episode because the glossary vocab rundown of all the terms that we use yeah. will actually be coming out in a little bit. So when that comes out, <laughs> what you're going to do is you're going to go and look at the definition of an initiating or listen to the definition of an initiating follow through. And what you'll quickly learn is that those people love creating systems. What you'll also hear about as we diagnose our own cognitive profiles is that Carl is a simplifying fact finder. And what that means is that when he is working in sync, he's taking things boldly. He's taking things uh, at a high level, at a high level, surface level, doesn't love reading the details. So uh, three areas of the mind and how to optimize these three areas for your own success is today's topic. I would like to put it on record that this has been recorded before, and uh, this is the redo because last time we sounded like two robots in a fishbowl. But it was so good. It like, was so good. I mean, we spoke for probably an hour, so honestly, we're going to try and cut that down because as we talked in episode one, <laughs> long podcasts don't jive well for us so we're not trying to do a long podcast but the content that we recorded in episode two with three parts of the mind was so good and then i did i got home that night to to listen to it to edit it and i called evan and i go ev <laughs> we sound terrible he's like what do you mean what do you mean we sound terrible i go well i sound like i'm in a techno concert and you sound like you're a robot he beat himself up over this. One. I tried everything in my power to figure out how to change the settings, and it just I, once I, it's done, it's I, done. I, I caved. We're we're just going to re-record. So we're back with episode two point two, two point two, three, three areas of the mind. mind. Uh, Carl put a beautiful little post up on LinkedIn this morning, which I reposted, and it's gotten a little bit of traction. And in that description. Uh, you know, we put right up there that this is three areas of the mind, how to understand what that means, how to utilize those, how they are from an optimization standpoint, the key to finding not only long-term success, uh, but also long-term sustainability. Absolutely right. So let, I mean, sh should we just dive right into it? I am fired up to do just All that. right, let's let's start with the first area of the mind. So, before uh, we do that, just not to not to butt in. Before we do that, let's talk about the why, like we talked about okay. last time and why this is so important. Um and then we'll get into the who, like which that. is uh, you know, who needs it, who identifies it, who are really the people teaching it, and then we'll get into the what. Okay, perfect. The what being the three areas. So the why, why we focus on all three areas of the mind, not yep. just one, we focus on all three, is because they are so different. Yep. And if you focus on one versus the other or two instead of the other or vice versa, you're leaving out key components of who you are that will totally work against you and what you're trying to do in everything that you do do. A hundred percent. So if you're only focusing on areas two and three of your mind, you're completely forgetting number one. If you're focusing on one and two, you're completely negating number three. If you're only focusing on one, you're negating two and three. So <laughs> that is why we look at the mind as a whole. And honestly, I feel like it almost goes back to uh, my, my Jesuit roots from Canisius High School and Xavier University and the fact that we look at the person as a whole, Cura Personalis, which is the 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 state of the whole person. I don't want to be on record as the college confidence coach and vouch for Jesuit <laughs> institutions uh, because we love all of our partnering schools and universities and placements and all the things that we do. I am a huge advocate of Jesuit teaching. I'm a huge advocate of Jesuit learning. And like you said, understanding the complete person is 
the why behind doing this. Right. And I think that when you look at the who to just bridge into it, the who is very influential as to the why. And the who is, for the most part, the formal education system. Right. And its formation. Right. What do you know about the formal, like why education was started? Well, I actually saw a quote the other day um, by old John Rockefeller. Yep. Who I want to say created or helped design and create the like educational school board back in the early 1900s. Definitely part of the transformation, for sure. I'm almost positive the quote was, and he's on record for saying this, or was on record for saying this, was, we need a nation of workers, not a nation of thinkers. Correct. So absolutely having Plato, Socrates, Aristotle rolling over in their grave. Yeah, because again, and again, if you go back to kindergarten to second grade to fifth grade to sophomore year of high school to college, I guess maybe not so much college, but the first 12 years of school when you're, you know, coming up in your, I would say formative years, it is sit in class, learn this information, memorize it, spit it back out. Yep. Do you even understand it? Do you know why you're learning it? I mean, I think there were a lot of times where I didn't. So you're describing one area of the mind and where it's targeted, which we'll get into with the what, but let's go back, right? You look at the who, whether it's the Puritans, whether it's Germany, whether it's, you know, Rockefeller, go back to all of the major influences in the turn of education. And you look at the fact that it has been established and on record that just like Rockefeller said, that quote's perfect, right? We're looking for a nation of workers. We're not looking for a nation of thinkers. And like I said, philosophers... Uh, ancient philosophers. Obviously, I might be a bit biased. Uh, I have a son named Aristotle. I sure so. do. That's my favorite yes. philosopher. I'm like <laughs> to go back to it and my Greek roots and why they are the most influential uh, heritage in, in thinking. But it is goes without saying that there's no hidden smoke here. When you look at what people are taught in school and the way that they're taught in school, it caters to creation like it, right. it creators to people who are under control and so that leads to people having a lot of self-doubt it leads to people going through emotional distress it leads to uh you know look at the numbers of anxiety that have spiked lack in of children lack, lack of, of self-esteem. everything right. and so there's a reason for that siege and i think obviously we understand it but that's why i think that this pod is so important to get out there because If you want to understand what we do in coaching and what College Confidence Coach does with students and why top moving companies and adaptive companies in our country, and I definitely want you, we had breakfast this morning, we do our our Friday morning breakfast and Seed shared with me something from another podcast um, that actually our friend Anthony told us about earlier this week. Uh, But when you look at you know, why these, these companies who are the most influential are the way that they are, it's because they see things outside of this one area of the brain that for so long we are taught that our worth, our value, our intelligence is based on. Well, it's because it, I guess maybe arguably, is the only part of the mind that can be measured objectively. Absolutely. So, okay, so let's go into the what. Let's go into the three parts of the mind. Let's go into these three areas that we have sort of introed, but we'll discuss on, I have to imagine every single podcast. There won't be a single guest who comes on this show, which starts next week. Uh, There won't be a single guest who's not asked about all three areas of their mind. Correct. So let's start with the first area of the mind. Yep. So we've described it. We've gone into detail. You know this word. If you're listening, you've heard this word before. Um, The first area of the mind is cognitive. So cognitive e let's let's define it a little bit here. The cognitive area of your mind is, or I should say, it it relates to how you think, right? right. It it relates to what you can be taught. It relates to what you have learned. It relates to, like I said, that that measurable thing, which is education, which is skills, which is, can you actually do this role or can you not? 
I just pulled up. Look how crazy this is, right? This is from 2013, wow. and it just like couldn't be more true. So I know you guys can't see this. Maybe we'll put a link uh, in the podcast description, but there's a graphic uh, that I created that really does a great job of just kind of showing you how and what happens in, in all three areas of the mind. And when you look at the cognitive, just so that to expand on Carl's point, all of the things, all of the the pieces that are stored in the cognitive area of the mind or the thinking area of your mind are your knowledge, your thought, your ability to reason, your measurable IQ, your skills, your training, your education, and drum roll, most expensive, your experiences. Right. So when you're looking at the cognitive area of the mind, and you, like I said, you've heard this word, you've taken cognitive exams, you've been through cognitive processes. The education system is rooted in cognitive thinking. Why? Because it is measurable. If I say to you, you know, Carl and Evan are both taking AP US history, and Carl has an A and Evan has a C, who's smarter? Carl's smart. Right. The person who has the A because it's smarter. measured that I know more. Correct. But, but really, but really, all it's saying is I was able to memorize something better than you were. Perhaps. It could also mean that you were affectively more motivated. That it could true. mean that you were cognitively more in sync with the way the class was taught. It could mean that cognitively you do have a little more wherewithal right. for history. But I will go on record and say that this is the most trainable area of your mind. When you look at cognitive motivation and cognitive thinking, it is extremely trainable. Well, well even thinking about current professionals. Sure. Right? We weren't taught. I don't know. We weren't born to be coaches. We weren't born to be real estate developers. We weren't born to be entrepreneurs. Sure. We learned how to be all of those things. Correct. At an accountant, an attorney, literally doctor. any profession you're in right now. A teacher, right. And learned how to do it. And when you look at where those skills and that reasoning comes from, right? So you you grow skills, you become more confident in your skill sets, and then your ability to reason, which is rooted in this back part of your brain where the cognitive is stored, says, okay, well, I'm good at this, so I will become that. Right. What if I told you that you, what was your weakest subject in school? My weakest subject in school would probably be science. Okay. What if I told you that you're actually great at science? I'd say there's no way. Yeah. Think back. Okay. Think back to, like, what is your earliest memory of science classes? Um, probably, like, middle school. Okay. Where did you uh, go to middle school? I was Clarence Middle. Okay. I'll actually, I'll actually get a little bit more detailed. Don't tell the teacher name in case they listen. No, this is all good things, though, I think. Because I, <laughs> I really liked my teacher. Okay, that's awesome. Let's go through it then. So it was eighth grade, yep. Clarence Middle. It was Earth Science. Sure. And I had Mrs. Ayers. Yeah, I had Mrs. Ayers from for Earth Science. <laughs> she was she was the best. Uh I actually think I don't even think I told you this. I think I saw her recently. I don't know where I was. I was out to dinner or something. Yeah. And I'm almost positive she walked past me and I wanted you know me. Like I I say hi to anybody. I recognize people. Run up, hug them. I wanted to go up so badly. Yeah. And I was like, I was I was 13 years old. Yeah. There's no way she remembers who I am. Soon to be. There's no way she remembers who I am. Yeah. Regardless, my earliest memory was eighth grade earth science class. Like, I maybe I had a good grade, but like I I did not enjoy it at all. I was I actually don't think I was that good at it. Well, so here here's what it comes down to. When you look at the way that the material was taught to you, when you look at the way that your comprehension of the subject uh, worked either instantaneously or with extra extra work, what you're actually looking at is someone who was affectively disconnected from the subject. So I'm going to get into the affective in a second and why that's so important. But more than likely, you were affectively disconnected from science. So maybe it wasn't Mrs. Ayers. The reason that I was going into, you know, so often it comes down to teachers right. is when I think back at math and how that became such a struggle for me in high school, um, you know, through elementary school and middle school, I was pretty good at math. Really? My, yeah, my IQ, you know, whatever. My, when you look at test scores, you had where I was, in math. I had great grades in math. 
Um, and math, yeah, it wasn't my easiest subject by any means. I had to put in a little bit more work, but I wouldn't say that math put me in strain. Okay. Which we touched on last time. We'll talk more about singing strain. Um, but I, what I would say is that math, after my freshman year, became the bane of my existence. Really? And it was because I cognitively was receiving grades and cognitively disconnecting from the course because the other two areas of my mind were completely manipulated by the teacher, completely manipulated by the pace, completely manipulated by uh, the the lack of, of application to the math we were learning. I mean, think when you jump from algebra to geometry and you're going back from, oh, you know, different. this yeah, right. uh, shapes and, you know, measuring, whatever. Sine, cosine, tangent. Well, that's, that's, Trigonometry. And that's algebra too, trigonometry. But yeah, I was good at math. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't science. Uh, But when you look at like what happened, it wasn't that I became cognitively less intelligent. Right. I became affectively disconnected. And that led me to root a cognitive belief that for the rest of my time in high school and for the rest of my time, even in the, the required courses that I had to take in university, that math was a weakness of mine. So you mentioned that effectively you were disconnected. Yep. This seems like a perfect transition into the second part of the mind, which is the effective part of the mind. What do you mean you were effectively disconnected and that led to a cognitive, I'd say, inability? So what I think is funny for a little bit of a build up to a lap. Here we go. You call it the affective. I call it the affective. I don't think there's a right or wrong. So I just don't want to confuse anybody with it. Is this just a buffalo accent? I think that the affective is a very buffalo thing, considering we're so close to Canada and we're so prone to saying A. How do you you say, okay, the first school that you go into? Yep. Grades K to five. What is that? Elementary school. I feel like I say elementary school. That's a buffalo thing. What the heck? Yeah. Well, I'm in the education space. Don't this, beat yourself up. This might have to be a poll. Um, put it up. Carl's polls. This if you're not if you're not following Carl on Instagram, you can plug your at. I don't know what your at is, C Joseph, but when you uh find him on Instagram, you need to see this guy's polls. Carl Joseph I I I I do enjoy my polls. I've got a whole list of polls <laughs> and that need to go that, still. People enjoy them. I mean, look at the the flood. I get hundreds of responses. <laughs> so if you're on the wait list, it's coming. It's now, coming. Yes. back to the point. So Affective part of your mind. The affective part of your mind. If the cognitive, if we can all agree that the cognitive is the area of the mind that controls the thinking, right? Yep. And we can all agree that the cognitive is very trainable. Yep. The affective is the next area that is absolutely necessary to understand, but very difficult to train. Okay. So we talked about how the cognitive mind can be measured. Correct. By IQ tests, by school tests, by physically, can you do a task or can you not? Your grades. Your grades, all of that. Sure. Can you measure the affective part of your mind? Awesome question. Answer is yes, whether or not measuring for the affective is actually valuable is a very hot topic that a lot of people are not going to like our, our Tate stance on. Well, va- valuable might be a tough word, but it, it's certainly ever-changing. So, so it, it might not be- Let me rephrase. Correct? Let me rephrase. You asked, can you measure it? Okay, fair enough. The value of measuring the affective, in my opinion- is completely situational. Okay. So let's not break that up to nothing. Break that down. First, let me define it. Huh? Okay. So enough. we've got, when we look at the affective, the affective area of the mind is where you find your motivation. The affective area of the mind is where you develop attitudes, beliefs, values, desires, preferences, all leading to, let's not do the drum roll every time. Yeah, fair enough. Emotions. Interesting. So the affective area of the mind is your feeling area of the mind. This is where your emotions stem from. This is where your emotions take form. It's where they go from very simple feelings and become beliefs. It's where they become values. And so when you look at this affective area of your mind, I didn't think that I was bad at math. I felt that I was bad at math Uh because I'm in a course that I didn't really love the teacher. 
candidly, she wasn't a nice person. <laughs> I was in this class and like, here I am. Like, obviously I love to talk. We've been over this. Right. I learn by talking. That's conative. We'll get into that. Right. When I look at the affective and I look at the way that I was feeling in that class, she made me feel like a m- moron. Like, Because so, you had to sit there. Correct. Silently. In systems. Not moving. Correct. Just memorizing a bunch of stuff. Not like, even memorizing, trying to fit. It was playing. Understand a bunch of detail. I, mean, I was playing yeah. left-handed when I was meant to be right-handed. It, it is just the best phrase for understanding the third part of your mind, which we will get into. But let's stay on this affective part of the yeah. mind, second part of the mind. So you said you can measure it. Correct. How? By taking tests that everyone's heard of, right? You can take a personality test. Your personality is a combination of all three areas of the mind. So I want to be distinct that the assessments that we're going to mention, when we say personality, they're not actually personality tests at all. They're affective They're affective tests. Affective tests like Myers-Briggs, DISC, StrengthsFinder, Predictive Index, by the way, Siege, you know who's certified in all of those or was at one time? So I love them, right? When I was going through this journey, which we talked about last time and learning about conative and meeting Kathy and getting certified and doing all the things I do, I took an extreme interest in all of those tests and I took them all to the level where I pass certification for four of them and use all of them right. to this day. I love affective testing, but... Let me phrase this to you, Carl, in the trivia question that if you're one of my clients, you've already had. Not sure if Carl's heard it. In On a daily basis, from the time you wake up to the time that you fall asleep, okay. REM sleep, okay. which is a whole other pod, how many different emotional shifts do you go through in the course of one day? All right. We're assuming 18 hours a day, roughly. Sure. A few hundred? Closer than most. Okay. And actually, really close. It's actually between 1,000 and 1,100. Okay, so not even close at all. At least you said a couple hundred. That is true. Most people, when I ask them that, and again, frame of mind, right? Affective, how you feel about this question might be different you know, than others. An emotional shift, in the last 30 seconds, you just went through a minimum of four emotional shifts. Right. I put you on the spot with a question. Yep. You thought to yourself, well, all right, now I'm nervous. I got to answer it. Then you gave an answer. I responded by giving you confidence. Yep. And then I just kind of diminished that confidence by saying, you know, you weren't even close. So right? that's how quickly these shifts happen. When I'm talking about emotional shifts, I'm talking about the micro shifts. And when you look at how many of those we have, and if you're lucky enough to use social media purely as an asset, not using it as a lifeline, like so many millions and millions of people do because that takes a thousand to 1100 and warps it would we say billions at this point i think billions are on social media i would assume so but when i think facebook celebrated something like that um when you look at there are 4.95 billion social media (laughs) so that's what like so what how i think i think there's like seven or eight billion people in the world so half of the world is on social media 250 million Facebook users. Okay, but who really uses Facebook? I'm just saying, like, so, like, you, when you're talking four billion, you're combining all of those, those, right. those sites. Right. So, anyways, point being, Instagram has two billion users. Instagram's insane. <laughs> That's insane. And you know what? I'm not a fan. I know we use it. Right. I like it. I, I like, I like it for what it is. What I don't like about Instagram, what I don't like about YouTube, what I don't like about TikTok is that the way that those algorithms are built is in complete control of your affective emotions. Yeah, the people behind, the engineers, the leaders, whoever the case may be, behind social media websites and apps and tools have us by just a death grip. Uh, so much so. I mean, they, they can, they can tell what we're going to do before we're going. I mean, you've seen the social dilemma. I actually don't think I've seen the social dilemma. You haven't seen the social dilemma. I'm not that big of a movie guy. It's a documentary. Okay. Well, now I feel stupid. It's, uh. Now I've had an emotional shift. I forget. I think it's (laughs) Jeff Orlowski and it might be 2020. It had to be COVID. Recently? Okay. 
If you haven't watched The Social Dilemma like Carl and you're listening to this right now, do yourself a favor tonight and tune in just so that you can become more aware of what social media has done. Like at this point, that's really talking about the basics before before reels really? were as popular as they are. And when you look at what that is, you absolutely, you absolutely before I pod again, you have to watch The Social Dilemma. Okay, I'll do that. I'll watch it this weekend. Because I'm going to ask you questions, okay, and like you're going to think about them for the All first right, Kelly, time. Buckle up. We're watching the social dilemma this weekend. Um, it's unbelievable. So, anyways, I'm in a tangent here. Affective. Why don't you like social media? Because this of the fact that these companies that have all of us registered with profiles, whether you're using them for social interaction, whether you're using them for business promotion, whether you're using them to stay in touch with family, whatever it is, right? You, the second you get lost in a real warp. Ugh. You are gone. I, like I mean, it's happened to all of us. I'd it, have to imagine. It happens to all of us so many times per day, Siege. And so when you look at buying tendencies on social media, right, which is really what those reels are intended for. People think it's so that they can get a little popularity like. And in reality, you're a pawn in some other company's algorithm to manipulate the buyer, their ideal buyer, to click on their ad because they were warmed up from a different affective perspective first. I fell victim victim to this last week. What'd like, you buy? Qu quite literally, I bought two polos. I bought a <laughs> I bought a white and a and a black polo, different sizes to see which one would fit better. It, I don't know. They had this like really wavy material. It had this like <laughs> awesome looking feel to it. Yeah. So I, I I bought them. Everything that looks good in pictures looks the same in real life, well, Carl. But listen, don't you know that? <laughs> listen to this though. They showed up, tried them on. They actually both fit pretty well, but. The white shirt was just simply see-through. Like if I if I wore it out anywhere, <laughs> like if I wore the shirt to a restaurant, like if I wore that white polo to Giancarlo's, Anthony would have been like, "What are you doing here? Why don't you wear it to Vegas next time that's, to Caesar Spot? <laughs> that's what I should do." But here's the crazy part. Here's the here's the crazy part. The polos came in. I realized I didn't like them. Yeah. So I I reached out to return them. What was the company? I couldn't even evaluate. So you're not going to put them on blast? No, not at all. But I responded. I'm going to. Oh, just listen. I responded and I go, I'd like to return these. Can we start the process? She's like, oh, yeah, no, you know, no problem. We'll give you a 50% refund. I was like, no, 50%. I mean, I'm like, give me my money back. I'm I'm returning these shirts. I don't want them. Yeah. So she's like, okay, we'll just give you 100% refund. And then I responded. I go, okay, well, give me a shipping label. I'll send the polos back. She's like, no, nah, you just keep them. <laughs> I just Did have these the I have these polos sitting in my closet. Yeah. I got my money back for them. Well, but regardless, we bring it back. Go. Bring yeah. it back. I I was just in a tangent right. on Instagram and then right. all of a sudden I saw these and I was like, "Dang, I think I need these." I could give you the example right now, Siege. I'm going to pull up my Instagram and I'm going to pull up a video. Let's see. So here's a video, all country news. So it's some type of music video. It's the first thing. Now all of a sudden I'm looking at uh, Kevin Spacey uh, in a video talking about beating his friends at golf. Now I'm looking at a veteran coming home to his family, right? So I went talking from country music yeah. to golf. golf, which is something that affectively gets me going, to a veteran. Now I'm looking at Jessica Biel talking about the secrets to a good marriage. Bang! Journey official desk mat. I just went through. I mean, you might buy that. I'm absolutely <laughs> more than likely going to purchase this. Think about this, okay? One yep, video, yep. Two video, three video, four video, ad. Boom. Four different emotions. I went from country music to sports to uh, veterans to marriage advice to this is gonna make your life better. <laughs> How do they do that? Because it's affectively manipulating you. So you go back. Let's just take it back one step, okay? Because okay. we are in such a rabbit hole. I need you to watch The Social Dilemma so I can actually explain okay. the algorithm I, and I we can go back and forth. I, I put it on my checklist. All right. It's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so it will get done. Um, so when you look at what just happened, think about being 16 years old, how yeah. stupid your emotions are. Your emotions, they're so hormonal. They're changing so frequently. You might go from 1,100 shifts to 2,000 shifts. Right. Then you're on social media. The average 16-year-old, how much screen time are they getting per day right now? Just guess. Five hours. Seven and a half. 
seven and a half hours seven a day? Seven and a half hours a day that's, they are on their phone. That's a full work day. And guess what app they're on more than any of them? TikTok. Wrong. Instagram. Wrong. Snapchat? Bang. Come on. Snapchat is by far and away the most manipulative app on the planet. TikTok, you can make the argument is too. That's why you see things with government bans. But when you look at the teenage brain and you look at what TikTok do, or uh, Snapchat does, think about it. You get a score. Oh, my gosh. You get uh, this is how many people. are. You make your own person. You make your own avatar. You're on oh reels. You're communicating goosebumps. Goosebumps, like I mean, this makes me think I'm never gonna allow my you can't my kids you to can't, be on and like it's so hard because you don't want your kid to be the weird kid that's left out, but like effectively, if you want to be completely destroyed, go on Snapchat. I'm off it. it it's to the point now where if you're that foolish, where you just like want to be completely taken over and you want to be manipulated into purchases and you want to be wearing white see-through shirts at dinner, <laughs> then go on Snapchat, use it. I don't give it. You know, go do it. So here's here's. What I want to now bring it back to, sure. because yes, we did go down a little rabbit hole there, but I think it's important to note because this second part of your mind, the affective part of your mind, affective part of your mind, <laughs> I just caught myself there. It is so manipulative and you can, not you can change it. It does chain, change on its own all the time that when you are getting measured yep right for your affective I'm mind i'm so glad you're tying this when, back in when, right well, now well this is what my systematizing or or follow through can do for you when it comes back to measuring and being used in the workplace yep can you really trust it let me let me let me let me rephrase this yeah if i'm working for a company yep that is going to give a disc assessment to everybody sure and based on how you score in your disc assessment yep that is how managers leaders coworkers, anybody in the organization then views you sure is that truly accurate no why it's a tough no to put out there in the world i feel like i'm gonna you know because because let's let's keep going down this it's correct in the sense that yes, that's how you scored. Sure. Like that's how your result is, but it, it changes and it it's not reliable because depending on the situation, depending on how you're feeling that day, depending on what emotional shift you're in the middle of, you could score totally different. It could be completely different. Yeah. And, and again, I go back to this, right? Like if I check my, my five strengths yeah. on, on strengths finder. Yeah. Positivity, woo, activator, communication, and includer. These were things that came back when I took the sophomore year of college. Yeah. Okay. We do you know. <laughs> do you know that we share four out of the five same top five words? I do know this because our disc, our Myers Briggs, they all come back to the same because like, personality wise is the same. But but here's the thing, right? Yesterday, I think about what our day was yesterday, yeah. right? And we know <laughs> what our day was yesterday. Yeah. Was I in a positive mood? I have never seen you angry. Not I've seen you mad. I've seen you upset on the golf course. I've seen you whatever. Yesterday, I was fuming. Was true affectively angry, Carl. So again, if if there was a, a, another person in the office with us yep. at that time yep. who was trying to I don't know, resolve a conflict sure. or manage the situation, lead hey, us Carl, down the right path. Why don't you take your disc profile today? I, I mean, I would have lost it. <laughs> like it, it, there's just no way that helps me in that situation. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then, so think about your point right now is just so fire that I want you to continue with it. So I'm just going to add some fuel to the, or some gas to this. Like when you look at organizations and when they start implementing affective profiles into their company values, mission, whatever, it is because, um, it, or it's at one of two points. Okay. The first in their hiring processes. Yep. The second, when things are going bad, when mm -hmm. things are going poorly, what are we going to do? Well, Let's learn more about each other. Right. Let's find out what's going on with Siege. Let's find out what's going on with Alana. Let's see what Jack's all about. There's nothing wrong with wanting to learn more about your team, your coworkers, your employees, your manager. You we, encourage it. You yeah. we encourage it. Yeah. We encourage it. 
But if you are doing this in those two positions, the onset and when things are taking turns, the onset, if I take a test and I'm being interviewed for a sales position and the test asks me, do you like working with people? (laughs) And I say no. (laughs) Then what are my odds of getting the job? Because as a salesperson, the the overarching view is that you need to be an extroverted, outgoing person. Correct. Which, is that the case? Which is not the case. Correct. You can absolutely be a phenomenal salesman by being an introverted, you know, reserved person. Sure. But regardless, it goes to show that these assessments that you take, DISC, Myers-Briggs, Gallup Strength Finder, all of them predictive index you can get the result that you're looking for. So I just want to shout out, and I think it's totally okay. I want to shout out Rupp Falls Graph. Yes. Um, Rupp Falls Graph is a client of ours who we're doing some work with right now that sees the light in conative. Yes. And so that's where we're going to go with this third yeah. area of the mind in a second. Because the point is, affectively, when you look at the profile for an attorney, right? Yep. The emotions that go behind being an attorney, their motivations, their attitudes, their beliefs, their values, their desires, their preferences within one firm could be completely, completely different. Completely different. Everybody could have a totally different motivation. You might want to be a litigator. You might want to be doing trial. You might want to, like, everybody could have a different motivation. Some people are motivated by becoming partners. Some people couldn't care less about the title. Some people, you know, whatever. And so when you look at a firm, right, right, it's such a great example. When you look at a firm and you're looking at the people within it and you give them all a disc profile or you give them Myers-Briggs or you give them whatever, it's awesome, right? You're going to learn about who they are and what motivates them. And, you know, you're going to learn about that. But I just told you that if you go on TikTok for 30 minutes and get stuck in a warp, uh, a real warp, which right. is what I like to call them, and you're you're down a real warp, and all of a sudden, you know, hey, don't forget it's it's uh, disc day, and it's like, yeah, cool, I'll take the disc. Well, maybe you just saw 17 great videos, right? Maybe your algorithm says, you know what, I'm gonna mess with Carl today, right. and I'm gonna show him 17 depressing videos. Right now, go take it. Oh, by the way, Carl, it's February 12th. It's snowing after we just had 50 degree weather days in Buffalo. It's gray skies, and there's no end in sight. Have at it. Tell me about your personality. I'd love to be outside. I'd love to be talking with people. I'd love to be in front of people. Like, no. It doesn't happen. So so when you look at the affective assessments and the tools, I love them and I use them and we use them with clients and I use them with students and we use them with our kids. It's, It's a great tool to have. Whether or not it's accurate is not the question you should be asking. What you should be asking is, in that moment, am I actually able to do this without any bias? Well, and this goes to what we discussed in the very, very, very beginning of this podcast, which is... We look at all three because you have to. If you focus, if you focus on just the cognitive and just the affective, you are forgetting and ignoring and discounting probably the most important part of your mind and your being and who you are because it reflects. What does it reflect? Your instincts. Bang. Bang! When you look at the conative, right? The conative area of your mind, this third area of the mind, so many people, I'll bring in uh, students in specifics. And then, you know, when we're doing presentations together, I ask, how many of you are aware of the word cognitive? 90% of the room raises their hand. How many of you are aware of the word affective? 50% of the, the room raises their hand. How many of you are familiar with the word conative? My hand, <laughs> your hand. Only two. Maybe one other who read the email right. before we came in. Right. Cognitive is the doing area of your mind. Cognitive thinking, affective feeling, cognitive doing. If you're not familiar with it, make it part of your vocabulary. Learn it, get it involved. Cognitive is where we find our innate forces. It's where we find our instincts. It's where we find our mental energy. It's where we find our talents. Okay, that's a really key word here. This is where you find your talent. But beyond all of that, the two words are your instinct and your necessities. This is what you need to do in order to be functioning at your best, in order to be functioning in conative sync, which we mentioned. Conative sync, when you're doing tasks, roles, responsibilities, interacting with people, having the moments that your brain is just churning and it's working and it's non-manipulated and you're doing things you love because you have the freedom to do things the way you need to. You are 100% free to be yourself. That is correctly it. I... I can't get enough of talking about conative. I've been doing this for 13 years, Siege. I, I can't get enough of it. I know. 
because well, it, people need it. Well, again, we 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 said earlier in this podcast the phrase that I think resonates with so many people. Why would you work lefty if you're a righty? Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. Right? Why would you work lefty if you're a righty? Like you would never get me on the golf course and say, hey, I'm going to give you a left-handed seven iron. Go hit this ball 170 yards. I'd be like, what are you talking about? I can't do it. Same thing goes for in the boardroom. Sure. I'm never going to make you sit down and say, hey, Evan, can you plan out the rest of our month and tell me exactly step-by-step step the organization that it's going to take in order to get, get us from here to there? You're going to look at me and be like, what did you just say? Right. But here's the key distinction. And you can take us down this, right? Like, it's not that I can't do it. Correct. Do I have the cognitive skills to do that? Absolutely. Do I have the affective to want to do that? Maybe. But do I have the conative, and not do I have the conative, but from a conative level, would I be the best person to do that? No. Because why? Because you would be in strain the entire time. Why? Because your instincts tell you that you need to be an adapting follow-through, not a systematizing follow-through, and you need to be able to work on the fly and try new things and you know work on a bunch of different projects at a time and just go, 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 as opposed to me who needs to sit down, plan, organize, rehearse, schedule sure, in order to feel like I am working at 100% of myself. So if you're a leader and you understand that Carl is in sync when he's building that plan for people. I don't even have to pretend. I am a leader yeah, who has right. Carl who's in sync right. when he's putting systems in place. You and I, the reason that the partnership works so well is because I don't ask you to do things that will put you in strain unless I absolutely have to and vice versa. Well, and, and that's a perfect distinction because there are plenty of times where there are task roles responsibilities projects you name it yeah where it doesn't match either of our cognitive profiles and it's that it's that flip of the the light bulb in the head just like okay he's gonna do this i'm gonna do this we're both gonna be in strain but here's what we're gonna do immediately after to get us back in sync and that is why it works i think back I think you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm going to think back to when this was like a light bulb for me. Okay. Do you remember where we were? We were in Cincinnati. Yes. Yeah. Did we talk about this last episode? Yeah. We brought it up towards the- Are you sure? Yeah. Yes. Towards the third quarter. Oh, yeah. Because you talked about the pony. I, I can't stop thinking about this scenario because- I thought you were trying to trick me. No, I can't stop thinking about the situation. And I'm sure this won't be the last time we bring it up because I, from that moment in whatever it was, April 2022, yes, April 2022 yep. until today, which is February 2024, it's almost been two years yep. of 70% or plus living in sync, which is which is unbelievable. It is. And we'll get into sync and strain, but- it goes back to me understanding the conative part of your mind. And it goes into understanding that just because uh, my wife, right, who's an initiating fact finder and yep. me being a simplifying fact finder, yep. just because we're completely opposite sides of the spectrum doesn't mean that we don't work well together. Right. It just means that because we understand each other's conative part of our mind, we can work to the best of our ability in our relationship, around the house, day-to-day life, whatever the case may be. I want. Why are you sitting over there just like grinning? Because I want to tell this story so bad, but if we do, we're going to go way over. What story? My story in relationships and No, 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 no. That, that is a completely different podcast. We cannot do that. I, that's what I'm saying. But think about what you just said with you and Kel, and like for so many of you who are listening right now, yes. the partner that you're with, the kids that you're raising, the team that you're leading, the the, the team employees that, that you're you on, your exactly. friend group, whoever it is, if you get, and I mean this sincerely, if you get to understand those people on a cognitive level, every single relationship in your life will drastically improve. Well, let's think about what we did earlier this week yeah. with guessing yeah. Anthony's cognitive profile. And Lou's 
take your profile, Lou. Yeah, Lou. When you heck? look at when you look at that, I how long? I mean, we. I don't want to keep bringing up our friend group. Correct. Doing this every pod, but, like, but what? But you're gonna know our we're friend group. We're 20 days yes. away from the yeah. macker, which we brought yeah, up I, last time, and so like it's natural that we're gonna talk about it. When you look at my friendship with Anthony, his father and my father were friends growing up, right? His father in particular, T-Dog, was trying to kind of, you know, push Anthony and I to hang out, see each other. We were in a lot of different circles. Same ages. Yeah, we graduated the same year in high like school. Like golf. Right. Ant didn't like golf in high school. Yeah, well, okay. Anyways, point is, when Anth, you look Anth at it- golfed in high school. We really about? weren't connected until 2017. Like, we didn't really become Macker. good friends until 2017. Right. Um, since that time, I would say that you, Lou, Anth, like the the group that has been formed and the group that we have created is super tight. There's a lot of different reasons, and we could go into that in another pod too, but super tight, know a ton about each other. So we were having the conversation about whose conative is, is what. Right. And you asked me to... To give, guess. Well, I asked you actually to give Anthony a profile. Oh, correct. And then you asked me to predict, and then I asked you to predict. And I walked out of the room and I predicted myself. Right. You predicted yourself. And I put mine up on our, our glass board in the coaching room. And I felt good because I was close, but you were 100% on. Dead on. Anthony is a 6375. And I wrote it on the board. And it's funny because I initially wrote 7375 and I went back. Before you came in right. the room and you revealed did. the result, I went back to the room and I erased the seven and I put a six. And that was because there is a huge difference right. between being a six and being a seven. Again, different pod, glossary terms. We'll go through that. Understanding him Correct. at that level, understanding Nicole at her levels, understanding and guessing where Ari and Mika and Luca and, you know, I can't do Gemma and Nicolina yet, but when you're looking at Mika, Ari, and Luca, I already have an idea. Now, I won't know until they start going through puberty, Correct. which I don't want to happen anytime soon. But once they get to that point and their brain starts developing physically, then I can really tune into it. Right. But when you get to know somebody to the level that you and I know each other or the way that you know Kelly or the way that you know your parents or your brothers right. and sisters and whatever, you know them affectively and you know them cognitively. You don't know them conatively until you understand the conative index. And this is why people fall for the external self-validation trap. Right. External self-validation is the reason or the way that most people make major decisions in their life. What should I do for a career path? Where should I go to college? What should I major in? Who should I marry? Should I do this? Should I not? Should I go here? Should I not? Should I move? All of those questions, when you think about those major questions in your life, who do you go to when you want advice? Your trusted friends and family. Parents, teachers, friends, people in spouses, your life that are looking out for you. The Correct. people in your life. None of those people would purposely give you bad advice. No. Okay. You wouldn't go to them if you thought they would. But they know Carl from an affective. Carl is an outwardly positive person. He's really, really wise when it comes to real estate. Um, there's a budding market in. Uh, He's Yeah. Yeah. And actually you do have that, but it's just like, so if you're looking at whatever people would naturally right. assume that you should just be focusing a hundred percent of your efforts there. And, you know, from a success value standpoint, forums of success, which we'll get into again later, maybe you should, right. you know, and, and you do right. allocate some of your time there, but I take it back to why people make mistakes well, it was naturally assumed that I would be in finance or it was naturally assumed that I would become an attorney because I was good at arguing and I was smart exactly at- what your father did. Exactly. It, right. it's just, so this is the advice I was given, right? Nobody knew who I was intuitively. Nobody knew I was a 10 quick start. Nobody knew that my brain is doing cartwheels that I have any thought of like creating something new and creating something fresh. And, um, you know, that- is what ultimately led to my creation of internal self-validation. And there's only one way, right? We've talked about measuring the cognitive mind. We've talked about measuring the affective mind. There's one way and one way only to measure the conative part of your mind. Right. That is a Colby A index. Understanding who you are from a Colby A and who you think you are. Correct. But to expand on your point, there's only one way to avoid external self-validation, right. which is even more grandiose than, than what we just said. And that is to understand yourself from a cognitive, from an affective, and from a conative. Correct. So I think we 
do a pretty good job of staying unbiased yep. and like identifying and talking and teaching about all three areas of the mind. There is no question that the conative is my favorite child and of the three. Not even question. But the reason for it is because the conative answers that you create for yourself, when you're asked the questions, what do I really believe in? What really excites me about the future? And who do I really want to help in my life? The only way you can get to those answers is by understanding your conative area of the mind. That's exactly right. That is how you avoid external self-validation. So to tie it back to our story with Anth, yep. the reason that I was able to guess his profile, number spot on for all four zones, which is, again, I hate to keep saying this, another pod. We will right. get into the four zones and the 12 boxes and how that all works. But the reason I was able to guess him to the number is because I've spent enough time where I've seen different spectrums of his affective and I know, you know, where he focuses his cognitive energy. So changing him from a specifying fact finder to an explaining fact finder was like, man, when you look at what he likes Big to do, difference. he loves talking to his employees, right. teaching them about what should happen. I mean, if he got to do what he wanted every day in the restaurant, he would absolutely, you know be on that platform, right. teaching people how to get better. He's really good at that. So if he was a specifying fact finder, even though it's one number different, he would like to spend a lot more time researching, digging into the facts, looking up what he should be doing. No, he, he does it by doing. Right. Um, we do it by simplifying. <laughs> and so like, that's the perfect profile for a coach. Exactly. Right. When you're a coach, sure. You're going to have explaining and, and people who want more details in their fact finder. They're going to want more information, but from a foundational level or from an overview level, if you're going to be an effective coach, you have to be able to take really complex information and really in-depth looks at who people are and simplify it for them. Otherwise, they're going to get lost in it. Right. So the point is, when you're looking at the conative area of the mind, it ends up measuring for four different profiles. I'm just going to go through them very quickly, 30 seconds. You have your fact finder, you have your follow through, you have your quick start, and you have your implementer. All four of those areas or all four of those zones are different models or methods of conative reasoning, conative thought, conative instincts. And we will teach you what all four of those are and how they differ from zone to zone and why you need to understand your sync blocks at a later pod. But for right now, I think what you need to take away from this lesson is that understanding yourself from all three areas of your mind is the only way to take your career path to take your relationships, to take your motivation. Your your managerial ability, your leadership ability. Any others? To the next level. This is the only way. You have to understand yourself and others from the three areas of the mind. And utilizing that is the only way to find long-term career fulfillment and success. It's the only way to find long-term relationship health and success, parenting health and success golf course health and success, <laughs> whatever you want it to be. If you want to take it to the next level, get to know yourself from all three areas and get to know the people who are closest to you in all three areas and watch your life transcend. I literally could not have said that better, better myself. That was incredible. Outro? Uh, let's just hope to God <laughs> that this sounds good. All right. Hit him with the, the music. Outro.